This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Movement Mortgage. Movement provides residential home loans in all 50 states. Founded in 2008, amidst one of the biggest financial meltdowns in American history, Movement set forth on a mission to create a movement of change in their industry, in corporate cultures, and in communities. First, they pioneered a unique approach to home loans centered around helping home buyers quickly and easily. Then they created a model so that a portion of their profit creates a long-term positive impact in communities both close to home and around the globe through the Movement Foundation and Movement Schools. It all comes back to their mission to love and value people. Learn more at movement.com faith. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Only God is wise enough to see the future. Do your giving while you're still around to see how it's used. Larry Burkett wrote that in his book, Business by the Book. I am Rob West. As Christians, we tend to think of giving as a personal thing. We're called to do it. But what about as a business? What happens when a business gives back to God's kingdom? I'll talk about that today with Amay Dodson, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, it's certainly a pleasure to have Amay Dodson with us today. She's the National Director of Affiliate Relationships at Movement Mortgage, an underwriter of this program. And Amay, it's a privilege to have you with us. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, Well, we're delighted. And I'd love to start with you just sharing a bit about Movement, how it started and what the mission is. Well, uh, the mission is that we exist to love and value people by leading a movement of change in our industry, corporate culture, and in communities. And when we started the company, late 2007, beginning of 2008, our goal was to change the way financial services companies face the community, specifically and initially to make sure that we treated every single borrower like our little sister, that we were locked arms with people we love doing life with, and then to leverage our profits to serve communities around the world. Well, it sure seems like it from my vantage point. Uh, you know, it's one thing, Amay, to treat customers well so you get positive word of mouth and repeat customers. That's, of course, just good business. It's quite another, though, to give back from revenues, not just here in the U.S., but literally around the globe. So tell us how that works at Movement. Well, we've we've always had the heart that our profits wouldn't be ours, that we yeah. would we would give them to God and use them in meaningful ways. And so a lot of that is done through our investments in sustainable projects that serve marginalized communities and through match giving. So we find a way to amplify the generosity of our employees by matching their money to qualified nonprofits around the world. Mm. Now, I know, Amay, Movement has invested more than $375 million in really compelling causes around the world. Perhaps you could share a story or two about how the Nonprofit Movement Foundation has helped to meet the needs of the underserved around the globe. 
Well, for a little over a decade now, we've been partnering with an organization that builds churches and hope centers in developing countries around the world. And in addition to funding the building of these churches and these hope centers, we've been sending our employees and teams on vision trips so that they might see firsthand the work being done with the profits that they're helping to generate. And while that's impactful, that's just a slice of what we've been able to do through the Movement Foundation. Incredible. And what about some of the practical and even spiritual outcomes when a business decides to give back in the way that Movement has? First, the ability to show and lead our employees towards the generosity that already exists in their heart and giving them the opportunity to volunteer and serve with the organizations that we're supporting, it has a tendency to amplify everyone's desire to create greater significance in the work that they do, and it means more. Amay, that's powerful. And I love how you get your employees involved in this giving. They're really uh, at the core of this mission, aren't they? Absolutely. And so are our borrowers and so are our referral partners. Every single person involved in the transaction while we're serving the borrower's best interest by helping them get into a home and a responsible loan, everyone involved knows that the ultimate result is the profits are going to be leveraged into our communities. And that's powerful. People want to do work with those that are doing good in the community. And that certainly is a valuable lift to the entire relationship. Oh, I can only imagine redefining the mortgage process and also impacting the marginalized and so many more literally all over the globe. Amay, how can folks get more information about Movement Mortgage? Movement.com has all of the intel and you can find a local loan officer that can serve your needs. Awesome. Amay, thanks for giving us a new insight into how business can be used, not just for profit, but eternal purposes. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Have a great day. That's Amay Dodson with Movement Mortgage and underwriter of this program. You can learn more at movement.com. That's movement.com. We'll be right there. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. Have you downloaded the Faith by app yet? You need to do that today because this is going to make your life easier. Yes, you can manage your money through the in-app envelope feature, but also plan out future goals. I want to buy a house in five years and I'm on track to do that. Here's also what I like. You can connect with people around the country. It's like social media, but better. Ask a question, get an answer and share what you're learning about money and investing. So why don't you grab your phone right now and download the Faith by app.
Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. Hey, have you downloaded the FaithFi app recently? If not, check it out at our website, faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. Just click app, and perhaps this is the month where you can begin to get control over your spending by setting up a spending plan and monitoring uh, the spending that's happening in each of your budget categories. You can do that quickly and easily in the FaithFi app, and you can check it out today. Faithfi.com. Just click app. All right, let's head back to the phones to uh, the Pacific. Northwest. Hi, Rachel. Go right ahead. Hey, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, uh, so if we can just put this in a small area here. Um, uh, we are considering changing our traditional IRA in a managed account, a traditional managed account, which we've had for a long time, uh, to precious metals, a self-managed precious metals account. Yeah. And so I have a few questions about that. Um, A, uh, is this wise or overreactive? And the other uh, thing is that it would be all from the traditional managed account going into the precious metals account Mm -hmm. where the precious metals are stored somewhere else, not in hand, and there would be a custodian responsible for transactions. So, uh, that's the main question. What does this IRA represent um, as a part of your total investable assets? What percentage? A lot. <laughs> okay, like more than uh, 50%? Uh, probably right at that. Okay. Yeah, well, so... actually, because it'd be, yeah, it would be at least 50%. Okay. Um, yeah. So that would be my concern. I mean, do I have a problem with the precious metals? No, I think that can be a great investment. And I think this is the time to be at the upper end of your range, but we typically say that range is five to 10% of your investable assets, not 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or more. Um, just because it's, uh, it doesn't produce any income. It's, uh, doesn't historically perform as well as a stock and bond portfolio. It has more volatility. And I realize that in times of uncertainty, we see a lot more people buying it. And I understand why. It's a store of value. It's a hedge against that uncertainty and fear that can exist in times like we have going on right now, just given what we've come through and the inflation we're dealing with, the prospect of a recession, some of the decisions we see happening around us with with the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government and just, you know, the debt levels in this country. I mean, I get it. Uh, But I I think any potential major problem here in this country, economically speaking, is pretty far down the road. Uh, I think in the near term, like in the next several decades, uh, you know, we'll be able to weather these storms. I think, in fact, the market will recover quickly once we see the Fed is done raising interest rates and once we know we're through that recession. Now, I don't think we've seen the bottom on this market. We talked to Bob Dahl yesterday, a chief investment officer at Crossmark Global. He joins us each Monday with his market analysis, and he reminded us that uh, in, you know, every time we have a recession, we hit our, we make a new bear market market low uh, from the previous, you know, cycle. So uh, that would say that given that we, whether or not we've been in a recession, we are technically not in one right now. We expect to be in one later this year. That means if history holds true, uh, we will go below those October 2022 lows 
uh, before we go higher, but I think we will. So I think a better strategy is to say, yeah, I want some exposure to gold, but I'm not going to get overweighted there and highly concentrated because the compounding effect of me having my you know investable assets working for me in a stock and bond portfolio, despite the fact that the next year might you know be a little challenging, we're looking over decades and we're saying even once we get to retirement, we still have if the Lord tarries and we're in good health. 20, 30 years for that money to grow, and you're going to do better in a properly diversified stock and bond portfolio, just at least historically speaking. Now, let's talk about the self-directed IRA specifically. Um, you know, I don't have any problem with that either. There are higher fees associated with these self-directed IRAs. They have to, as you said, be the gold has to be stored in an IRS-approved depository. And, you know, you have still the usual RMD requirements, although those are getting, you know, older. Uh, so it's going to be up to 75 years old soon. So it sounds like you guys have quite a bit of time there. But it's just a lot of expense and trouble, um, you know, to, and you need to make sure that you really believe it's worth it. Another approach would be to old, uh, own a gold tracking stock like an ETF that tracks the price of gold. The, not a mining company where they have their own sales and earnings and potential problems, but a, a tracking ETF that literally mirrors the price of gold. Um, you know That would be another way to do it. And then you don't have to take any possession. You could hold it in your traditional IRA. So those are just some thoughts. Again, you're the steward. You need to make this call, but I guess my con questions would be, is it worth the cost and complexity of the self-directed IRA to own the gold physically? And then secondly, it sounds like you're pretty highly concentrated, and uh, I think that violates the diversification rules I would uh, encourage you to consider for your overall investment strategy. Yeah, I felt like that kind of went against that whole "don't put all your eggs in one basket" thing, and uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're really all in one basket there. Um, but um, uh, you know, we were considering it more for the fact of uh, safety or preserving what we already have, as sure. like everyone else seeing it just nosedive, and then um, you know, we are at that age where we are definitely soon to retire, and yeah. um, you know, we'll have a retirement fund, but also you know, all that we've been saving for so long. Um, but m as much to protect it, like that, well, if you are invested in that, then, you know, it's it's there. It's at least worth what it's worth. And it, mm -hmm. you know it doesn't make any more money. So, well, it, hopefully it is making some money because it's hopefully increasing in value. But right. um, doesn't generate an income. And it's, and it's hard to, you know, what do you do if you want? I mean, if everything does really go south, what what do you do with it? You know, I mean, do you try to get it back and take possession of it and, uh, you know, and chip away a piece? I mean, to barter with? I mean, you know, so it does become problematic from that standpoint if we're playing out these kind of worst case scenarios. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, I, and it wouldn't be um, stored at, you know, that amount, store, you know, it'd be in a vault somewhere, I guess, sure. you know, managed yeah. by the whoever, wherever that is. The custodian, is. sure. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah. just to get through, just to get us through the unknown time, which we don't know really how long that time 
Gonna yeah, be, and, and I guess uh, that's the problem. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to take a break here in just a second. But that's the challenge here, Rachel, is when we look at the performance of the stock and bond portfolio going back to the 1920s, we see how well the market has done despite the ups and downs. But we can't, if, as soon as we try to time the market and pick our entry and exit points, so we quote unquote miss the turbulence with this idea that we're going to get back in at some point, that missing that recovery, which is invariably what happens just completely skews the results because you could sit on the sideline in gold feeling very good about it. And then when the market recovers and the economy's back up and running again, inflation's back down and we're through the recession and the job market's strong again, uh, all of a sudden the market has recovered and gone to a new high. And now you're thinking about buying back in. So I guess that's, from my standpoint, I'd rather take a diversified approach, have 10% in gold, but the rest in stocks and bonds and just stay the course and really see this as a long-term play, what the Bible calls steady plotting. That's just my perspective. At the end of the day, you guys need to pray about it and make that decision. And we'll just trust the Lord will give you some wisdom on that. Rachel, thanks for being on the program today. God bless you. Hey, we're going to take a quick break and back with much more. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We're grateful for support from Movement Mortgage, who provides residential home loans in all 50 states. Guided by a mission to love and value people and a goal to redefine the mortgage process, Movement seeks to help others achieve their financial goals. You can find out more at movement.com slash faith. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit nmlsconsumeraccess.org. We're grateful for support from Eventide Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. Eventide's approach to values-based investing is grounded in the belief that humankind was created in the image of God with intrinsic dignity, value, and worth. Eventide calls this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at eventideinvestments.com. That's eventideinvestments.com. You're listening to Faith and Finance, where we talk about how we handle God's resources. How are you using God's resources? We're talking about it, and the lines are open to take your calls and questions. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Let's head to sunny Florida. Sheila, thank you for calling. Hey there. Um, My husband and I are selling our house, and our goal is to downsize. We've got enough equity in the house that we can pay off what we owe on the current house. And then really we, what our goal is to pay cash for the next house. And then um, also out of that, we'd like to take what's left over, which is we're estimating to be about $50,000. And we're, we're either going to pay off. Well, my husband wants to pay off our external debt. So, um, the challenge with this is I'm a business owner. I have a commercial mortgage. I'm about four and a half years in, and they my home is currently collateral for that. Yeah. So my choice here is to uh, the SB the the mortgage company has said that they will take the the first position or take the um, lien off or the the collateral off for us to do what we need to do. They want to take that equity and put it towards my commercial mortgage um, instead of letting us have it to 
um, uh, for to pay off external debt. So my other option here is to refinance, um, and I've talked with a the bank. They're willing to do like a 40-60 split of uh, 40% of a 501 SBA loan, and they handle 60%. And I'm just trying to figure out what's really going to be the best route to go here because um, with my current loan, I've I've got – I currently owe like six four, $645,000. When um, we went to the other bank for the refinance, they're, they're wanting to refinance, um, you know, about 760000 So more than that are, is what they're saying. And, you know, I'm, so I'm really just trying to see what, what is going to cost me less. <laughs> as yeah. a business owner, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think you have to determine how high a priority is releasing that personal residence. You know, what a lot of folks don't realize is that they can negotiate when it comes to these loans and try to negotiate out their personal residence from the bank's collateral at the time of the loan. Uh, once you do it, they're not going to allow that to happen, but uh, they're going to take, you know, every piece of collateral they can get, starting with your uh, primary residence. And so, um, you know, I would say, you know, we want to try to negotiate out of that if at all possible. And I think you've got to decide how important that is to you as a part of the equation, in addition just to the overall expense of the loan itself. At the same time, we've got to determine, you know, at what point are we unwilling to allow the business to be mixed with your personal finances, which is it is now. If something were to happen to the business, you could be putting your home or you are putting your home at risk. Um, one other option to consider, Angie, is a credit union. A lot of times a credit union will make a business business loan uh, and they'll offer a, you know, a, a more suitable solution than a bank because they're member owned. They're much more likely to exclude a personal residence from their collateral requirements because they just often feel like it's as unreasonable to ask for a personal residence as collateral. So that would be one option you could look at. Um, but I think at the end of the day, you're just going to have to decide, yes, there's an added cost to do this. We've got the refinance itself plus this new interest rate, especially for an uncollateralized loan or at least one that doesn't include your personal residence. If you had a rental property or raw land or a vacation home, you know, that could be another option. Uh, if you had other, you know, assets that you could use from the business itself, that would be ideal. But I would agree. I'd like to get to you out of that uh, collateralizing your personal residence as quickly as you can, even if there's a bit more expense. But if it creates a hardship for you as a small business owner, your business, you are your business and your business is you. And so your ability to continue to operate is is critical. So I think, you know, you and your husband just have to balance that. Look, count the cost, explore every option, including the credit unions. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to put these two options side by side and determine what impact it's going to have on the business. And that's going to quickly tell you how important it is for you to release the home, which I would put in a decision-making matrix at a pretty high priority, but it's not everything. And obviously, if it hinders your ability to operate and creates a strain on the business, then that's not, you know, good either. So I uh, appreciate you being on the program today, Angie. All the best to you. I know this is a tough one. To Illinois. Hi, Sarah. Go ahead. Oh, hi. Hi, Rob. Um, I currently have no debt besides my home and uh, I'm military disabled and only receive unearned income. I received a uh, money from a personal injury lawsuit, and after putting aside three months of emergency funds, 
um, should I put the remaining 10000 of the lawsuit money in an I-bond or put it towards my 2.8% remaining mortgage? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you're not going to be able to pay off the mortgage, but I'd like for you to do that at some point. Kind of give me the, so your emergency fund will be shored up. Do you have any consumer debt besides your uh, yeah. mortgage? No, nothing. No okay, credit cards, nothing. no, All right. no car and loan. Very nothing. good. And how far are you from retirement? Oh, I I just, I guess, military disability, so I'm currently not receiving any earned income. Okay, so you're so living on the retired. military disability? Right. I mean, okay. I have 20000 in like a 401k, but I think you okay. can only put earned income in there. That's and, right. And so yeah. much a year, as far yeah, as I know. So you, you, yeah, you you have to have earned income, and you can only go up to that amount or the maximum, which this year is sixty five hundred. So that the military disability is enough to cover your bills, Sarah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I like the I bond. Uh, it it can be a great way to offset the effects of inflation. Right now, paying six point eight percent, you'll get that for the next six months. I do it pretty soon before the rate changes because it's probably going down in May. But you'll get a full six months if you do it before the end of April. Um, so I would get that done, and then um, yeah, I like the fact that you're shoring up your. Uh, emergency fund and um, you don't have any debt and you got your bills paid with your uh, uh, so, uh, retirement, um, I think you'd be in good shape. Mm. Mm. Great. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> Very good. I, I guess that's it. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you for your service. We're incredibly grateful. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. Where, uh, where did you, uh, where was your last tour? Uh, uh, I was Eight years. I got out ninety eight. I just missed my whole unit went overseas during the Gulf War, but I was going okay. basic training, so I just missed it. <laughs> okay. All right. Very good. Well, we're grateful, and we appreciate you being on the program today. God bless you. Hey, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to let you know that you don't ever have to miss a program. Just download our FaithFi app for your mobile device and take us with you anywhere. Thanks for joining us today. I look forward to talking with you again next time on Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.